Coco Sisters. It's the Sisters Day. So welcome everyone to Coco Sisters, another episode. So morning, afternoon and evening. I am the Duchess and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Lady C. How are you, Duchess? I'm great today. I'm great today. Yourself? Yeah, good. Not too bad at all. The sun is shining, which is not really my favourite thing, but I know I'm in a minority. I know, I know. It's always a good thing. I'm a winter, spring person. Winter, spring and autumn person. I don't really do summer very well. Do you not? You don't like the sun then? No. Oh, okay. All right. Well, well, I think that probably is another episode, isn't it? We can talk about... (laughs) <laughs> what's wrong with lady c she doesn't like who, the sun. who likes the sun and no 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 i wasn't gonna say that because i know someone else who's very close to me who doesn't like the sun either so mm-hmm. i get it i understand it i think but yeah we can have that conversation as another episode couldn't we so welcome everyone and i wanted to say if people aren't aware you know the month june is also the month for grt does people know what grt can oh, stand well, I know for what that Gratitude. Oh, do you? Gratitude. Yeah, no, it's Gypsy Roma Traveller Month. Oh. There you go. Yeah. So when we're talking about yeah diversity and stuff like that, the GRT stands for Gypsy Roma and the Travelling Unity. Uh, and I think you know they're a community that don't get spoken about often enough. Uh, don't get um, spoken about in terms of being part of you know the race community per se. Um, as well as um, people not understanding, actually, they're covered by the legislation, you know, they're covered by the Equality Act 2010 too. Yeah, yeah, Joyce. I see that look, Joyce, when you see you, when you do your faces, you know, I it. So yeah, <laughs> just wanted to um, bring that to the fore. But also, because I've mentioned Joyce's name, I wanted to welcome into our, our spaces, our Coco Sister Queens. So do you want to say hello, Queens? Hello. <laughs> Okay, that's Liz. Hi, it's Nicole here. That's Nicole. <laughs> Hello, do I... Hi. <laughs> that's Joyce. So, not too shy. Hi, I know, Liz. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> and we do have, a, we do have um, a special esteemed sister with us today, but we'll introduce her in a, in a, in a little while. But just back over to you, Lady C. What is it? What are we going to be covering in this episode? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. We've got another <laughs> pack show. And as you know, we've got our regular segments. We've got our health and activity tip, which are really good, actually. I'm, you know, I'm learning a lot from those tips. Mm, we've also mm. got our political 10, where yeah. you know, someone shares about something that's caught their attention in the political world. And we've obviously got our favourite, what gets your goat. Uh, so that's going to be a lively conversation today. And, and we have our new segment, and Mama used to say, uh, and those are those phrases from yesteryear that our <laughs> parents and grandparents and aunties used to say to us. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got all of that coming up. You know what? Do you know what? Lady C, can I stop you there? You're going to have to say it one more time with a bit of backup because it's just funny. Go on. Three, two, one. <laughs> and Mama used to say. Mama used to say. Mama used to say. <laughs> Take your time, young man. Yeah, all of that stuff. Ooh. <laughs> Thank you, Junior Gibson. Classic track. We love you, man. We love you. Isn't it? Classic. <laughs> that is such a classic track. Love it. So love yeah, it. All love that, a bit all of that's coming up. But I'm really excited about our sister in the spotlight, Duchess. 
Okay, okay. But before we get to my sister in the spotlight, we're going to have our health and activity tip, no? Yeah, let's do that. Let's yeah. get in a good frame of mind. Is that Joyce is going to do that for us? Yep, yep. Come on in, Joyce. Let's, let's hear it. Well, what I, slightly off field, but basically what happened was I went to the premiere of a film called Blacks Can't Swim. So, and the data was really stark around that. So there's data that says that 95% of black people in England don't swim and 80% of black children don't swim. So I just wanted to ask the question in terms of, you know, a health piece, does anybody here swim? And yeah, in in terms of keeping, yeah, good health and stuff, you swim? Is it pop? Oh, okay. Well, I can swim. I, I can swim. I wouldn't say in terms of activity, though, mm. that's the activity that I go to. And there's obvious reasons I would argue as to why that happens. But that's going to be another conversation, right. isn't it? So, yeah. So I can swim. I was taught to swim. Uh, and so are my sw- siblings at a very early age. So I can swim. I just don't choose that as an activity to do. Right. OK. Cool. I, I swim and I, and I enjoy swimming. Um, and I've been since since the gyms have opened back up, I have been going quite regularly. Brilliant. So we're all right. sort of bucking the trend here, I think. <laughs> um, I don't really swim because I can't really swim. I was gonna so, say, um, can you swim? But you yeah, don't exactly. Really swim. So it's not an activity that I choose. But um, yeah, I just thought I wanted to to share that with you and just find out if people are into swimming. Yeah, swimming's my go-to. I prefer if I could swim every oh, day, I would. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. My mum, she's she's in Jamaica now and she's made sure that her houses have swimming pools because all of us are big swimmers. So I prefer, right. yeah. And my kids Joyce, swim. Why, sorry to interrupt you, Nicole. Joyce, why do you think black uh, children aren't swimming? Um, I think there's so many different uh, reasons. Um, when I watch the film and the film really goes deep on that actually but one of the things that I found because I made a choice that I wanted my children to learn how to swim so since they turned four um, my daughter especially she's she was four in like 2012 and since then I've been taking her swimming and also when my son turned four I decided to take them both swimming Um, and what I noticed actually over the years is that there was only ever one black kid in that um, group and I was always wondering, like, where are all the other, like, black parents? Because it was always kind of like me in the stands. And then maybe like an hour later for another class, there might be another one. But it was all kind of like passing. And um, I did used to wonder, like, where are all the black people? And you know what? I, I asked that question to my husband. You are not going to believe the answer that he said. He said, because there's a local butcher's, yeah, off the A127. <laughs> Where, okay, near where, we, where we live. Uh, you know what? Joyce does a lot of left. <laughs> so when I said to him, where are all the black people like on a Saturday morning? And he said, they're all probably queuing up for goat meat. <laughs> <laughs> because the truth of the matter is, I have been to that butcher's yet at 6.30 in the morning and there's long queues with black people in it. But come 10 o'clock or nine o'clock on a Saturday, they're not at the swimming pool. So 
basically just coming back to you, Lizzie. Wow. Loads <laughs> of different reasons. There's always one in a group, isn't there? Isn't it? In a group, there's always oh, the one that goes all I'm just having, the I'm just having a day off today. Do you know what I mean? I'll be all right next episode. Do you know what I mean? I'm having a funny <laughs> turn. No, any research that shows correlation between butcher's lines and people. You know what I mean? And buying your goat. On this show, Saturday, she's made that. Buying your goat. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. And I, I always went swimming when I was younger. And then as soon as I relaxed my hair, I didn't well, go anymore. That's right. That, that was that was the standard thing. And that was one of the yeah. reasons why I went natural, even though I bleach it. But that was one of the reasons why I went natural because and working out and so I could just work out and go swimming. Yeah. Because mm. of okay. the, the relaxing of and the, the hair and is, the chlorine. We can't just jump in the pool, pat ourselves dry and go about our business. No. We've got a whole regime. You've got a whole regime to go through. See, people can go, I'll go to school for half an hour. That's not my story. And on another hour, uh-huh. yeah, by the time you got okay. to do the hair, it's put the cream on the skin. Oh, and these, are all, yeah. these are all the things that cropped up in the video as well. Film. In yeah, the film. 100%. In the it's film, long. sorry, in the film. Yeah, there's just so many. But you need a suitcase of, to go to the pool, man. I'm definitely, sorry, but man. one of the other key things is about role modelling, right? Because if you have parents mm-hmm. that don't swim, then it's very likely that you're not. You're not going to swim either. Yeah, because they don't see the importance of it. Yeah, but you see, like you, Joyce, I made sure that even though swimming is not, I can swim, but it's not an activity that I engage in regularly. Mm. I made sure that my two young people, who are now 24 and 22, respectively, um, they were taken to swimming lessons. So both of them can also swim. Mm. But I think once you give, you know, the person a choice, they can decide what they do next, don't they? And if they've exactly. got that skill set, because sw- sw- swimming, see, Lacey asked if I got my teeth in they get in the way again um once you've given them a skill they they can choose how to or not exactly thing that came out of that film for you what was what sorry what was significant that came out of that film for you and what would you advise people listening to this episode today in terms of that health or activity tip um, it would be around also water safety, like, you know, understanding, obviously, you know, even if you can swim, because there was that really sad, tragic story about that uh, boy called Jimmy, who knew how to swim, but he jumped into the, the river to try and help save a woman. So it's, you know, sort of understanding the water. Mm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because that for me... <laughs> I don't really go around water that often, you know, if I don't need to, if I'm not by the pool or whatever, waiting for the kids. But it's understanding, obviously, the differences, the currents, this, that and the other, understanding water safety, because swimming as a skill is obviously very, it's very powerful. And, you know, as a result, I've been thinking about learning how to swim for a while. But as I've seen that film, for me, my takeaway is I do need to take action and learn how to swim. Okay, because there's different rules for the river, for the sea, and for the swimming pool. Completely different Absolutely. rules. Absolutely, yeah. Completely, completely yeah. different. And people seem to think, oh, if I go on holiday, because I've been swimming at the local swimming bars, they go on yeah. holiday, jump off cliffs and all sorts. Completely, you know, yeah. the dangers yeah, are out there. The sea yeah. ain't got a back door. The swimming pool has a back door, but the sea doesn't. You see, the, you see where the phrase coming now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, mm-hmm. ladies, see, when you jump into a pool, there are rules. You know, you mm-hmm. need to understand. Pe- people think because the water is stagnant, 
to speak. In, in other words, it, you know, it's still most of the time. It depends what type of pool that you're jumping to that can have. Yeah. So you have to know the rules of jumping into a pool too. So, yeah, but you're right. Water generally doesn't have a back door. So mm. you need to what, what to and do. I, in those I, I, I don't mean to take this even further in the field, but I remember when I was growing up, I used to be so confused by the rupees. Because it wasn't something we ever so had in our family. By the what? All our Verrucas, like all of my white friends, they would always be concerned about Verrucas. And they would have to, do you remember when you used to come out the changing room, you had to step into the thing of water yeah. before you yeah. get to the pool? And I never <laughs> understood it. And I have you, what? Can I ask though, have you ever had a Veruca? No. And I've no. never had one either. So what are them? So, I used to be scared of them. Like, what is that thing? I just thought it? it was something that black people couldn't get because I didn't know any black person had a Veruca. Well, you see, well, that, now you're saying something, you see, because... Lice is another thing. I've never known black people to get lice. Head lice. Yeah, right. So, but that's another conversation, isn't it? We can't do it in one episode. So we'll, we'll just have to hold fire. But that's also the other thing, you know, around um, our culture with privacy and jumping in the pool with a bag of other people and nastiness. And, you know, like my nan, there's, she, she didn't like us swimming because she just felt there was too much entanglements. Too much variations, too much moving parts. She just didn't like that. She was like, people are gonna teeth your things. And she just, she just no. She just wasn't she, church, yes, swimming, no. I'm gonna teeth teeth your things. And then she just she wasn't having none of that entanglement business. She, that, that definitely didn't, didn't crop up in the film. That one did it. <laughs> oh gosh. Sorry. I just encourage you my mum just turned 60 is turning 60 in um, a couple of weeks time and she uh, is a Ghanaian um, grew up near the coast in Ghana but just never like never just never learned to swim the sea was just you didn't you didn't do that um, <laughs> Just because of how just the rules that you're talking about, Nicole, it was like it was just like uh, there was a lot of fear around it. Mm. And she tried to she's tried swimming lessons, maybe six different occasions during through, for the last in the last uh, thirty years. And she mm. has just cracked out to swim last wow. year. She, wow! She Congratulations! Really like, my mum was like that as well. She learned to swim and she retired. Uh, yeah, oh, later. And that I don't, is brilliant. For people who do swim, Nicole Carroll, like the cool thing about swimming is that it's probably one of the only forms of exercise you do that's like a whole body workout. Yeah, very true. Every, every very muscle. Easy on your on your bones. Like as you're as yeah. growing up, our bones are like oh, oh, oh. Mm. like swimming is such a great one because it's such it's so low impact. Um, so yeah, it's such a thing to be able. It's to hard do. work though. It's exactly that's where the whole body workout is. Yeah, I I, I went back swimming maybe a year ago before lockdown, and a lot of the pensioners, the old people swimming, they were giving me the side eye like, get out of my lane. (laughs) I was struggling, I was sweating, I thought I was going to die. And they're there with their swimming hats and their breaststroking, like looking at me like, why are you here? This clearly is not your lane. Go to the (laughs) beginners. I felt really intimidated by these pensioners. I was so ashamed. I, yeah. You felt you felt intimidated by the silver surfers. That's why they can, they, they can swim and they do silver it because, surfers, man. because of the low impact and all the rest. Yeah, mm. so good. But I went back after a very long time, and it, it is a workout. It is yeah. yeah. Like, like we said, it's a skill, right. and if you're not if you're not 
practicing yeah. skill daily or regularly, then you lose yeah. the skill and you have to mm. relearn. Don't yeah. you? Yeah. Well, the thing is, once you learn how to swim, you don't forget. So you could go like oh, of course. without swimming, yeah. and it's yeah. so very easy to get back into it. Yeah, and there are yes, some no. clubs, some leisure centres that they do something called the swim doctor. So they help you become a stronger okay. swimmer. Okay. Or they, they, they can teach you a different technique because I mm. learned the front crawl. And mm. I, when I think I'm doing breaststroke, I don't even know what I'm doing because I just go around in circles when I think I'm doing the breaststroke. <laughs> so, um, so the swim doctor can actually help you perfect your strokes. Oh, yeah. um, so just look out for that. Just type in swim doctor in your local leisure centre and oh, they, you can sign up. For, they're relatively right. inexpensive. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for that. Great thank health tip. Thank you, Lady thank, And thank you, Joyce. I did wonder where you was going with that because we know that Joyce is our our left field queen. Only right, for so take today. Take us over to the left field. Only today. Uh, well, you never know, Joyce. It might be something that you you become known for taking people <laughs> over to the left field, which is fine. Which is fine. <laughs> so, what are we doing next, Lady C? Where are we now? Where are we now? I do believe it's this is during the spotlight time. Okay, so hanker down, everyone. We are now going over to our sister in the spotlight, and we are joined by our esteemed sister, Carol Stewart. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Carol, and then um, she will tell us more about herself. And then I'll just ask her a few questions um, as we go along to help to inform the conversation. So Carol has worked extensively in coaching and leadership for over 25 years. Let me tell you people, I know you can't see us, but she doesn't look that she's worked in coaching and leadership for 25 years uh, and has been named as a, we are the city rising star champion in 2018 for her work in helping women develop their careers. And similarly, was listed as one of Britain's most influential black Christian women in 2019 by Keep the Faith magazine. And there are many more accolades that I could, I could give and say, but uh, I'll let uh, Carol say that about herself. So welcome, Carol, really good to have you here. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so hello, everybody. It's good to be here amongst you all. So yeah, so I am a, um, an executive career leadership coach. Um, I specialize in coaching introverted women who are senior leaders. And the reason why I focus on introverted women is because the corporate environment is very much geared towards extroversion. And it's often the case of he or she who shouts the loudest is the one that gets heard, gets the recognition and gets ahead. And the quieter ones often get overlooked. And mis introversion is often misunderstood and there were many misconceptions about what it is. So I made that my area of specialism. Great. So thank you for that, Carol. So what Carol hasn't let um, our listeners know, that she's written a fantastic book called Quietly Visible, uh, Leading with Influence and Impact as an Introverted Woman. So I wanted to ask you, um, Carol, could you explain for our listeners who don't know is where introversion and extroversion originated from and what the difference between the two is. Mm -hmm. Okay, so introversion, extroversion, it's something that the ancient philosophers talked about, but the term was popularized by Carl Jung, the um, psychoanalysis Carl Jung, um, and 
he um, identified that introversion and extroversion, they sit along a continuum. And we all have a preference as to where we fit along there. And some of us have a preference towards the introversion, some have a preference towards extroversion. And depending on what environment we're in or what it is that we're doing, we'll determine where we fit along that continuum. Introverts are typically concerned with things which are internal to the mind, so um, like their inner thought life, things which allow them to go inwards, whereas extroverts are typically um, focused on things which are external to the mind. Um, introverts find being in overly stimulating and external environments draining, um, and you often need time to go and recharge. Um, introverts are more tend to think before they speak, think and reflect before speaking, whereas extroverts tend to speak and process their thinking as they're speaking. And that is often where the misconceptions about introversion come about, because uh, particularly in meetings or interviews or networking, introverts don't necessarily speak a lot because they're often processing their thoughts. And that can be mis misconstrued as they lack confidence, they've got nothing to say, they're not engaging, or, and so forth. But, it's, but they're processing their thinking. We think different um, to what actually. So, so why was it why was it important for you to write this book, Quietly Visible? Why did you why did because, you put your energy into that? Yeah, I'm I'm introverted myself and before I started coaching as a leader, um, I would often feel that I had to put on a persona. Um, I would often get told, oh, you need to speak up more in meetings. But it was my natural style. That's not my natural style. I speak when I have something of value to add. And then when I started my coaching business, after a couple of years, few years into it, I started to reflect on the, the clients that I'd coached and I identified that the majority of them are introverted as well and then I um, started writing articles about the challenges that introverted leaders face and I got inundated with messages comments emails people sharing their challenges with me and uh, some of them are quite horrific like one woman who told me how she'd been for an interview um, and they she was told that they liked her but they were concerned because she was introverted and she had to justify why um, they should give her the role because she's introverted. I mean, that's rubbish. Mm. And so that's when, when I saw the, how much of an issue it was, that's when I decided to write my book and, and focus on changing the narrative around introversion so that um, organisations, employers, the general population are more aware about what introversion actually is and that it's not something that people need to get over. It's you know introversion extroversion are just two different types they're two different traits that people have one's not better than the other they're just different and what would you say I mean you said that you're an introvert yourself mm -hmm. what would you say that you have learned about yourself as an introvert that when I am my authentic self I am at my best I'm at my optimal rather than trying to fit into a persona that because uh, an organization thinks that that is a fit or because society thinks that that is the best way of being, um, that I thrive better when I am being my authentic self. Um, we live in 
what uh, Susan Kane, she wrote this book called Quiet, the power mm. of the introvert. It's in a world that can't mm. stop talking. Yeah. So she talks about the extrovert ideal. Um, and that is a, an omnipresent belief that the ideal self is alpha, gregarious and comfortable being in the spotlight. And historically, right. here in the UK, in the US, um, many parts of the West, that has been associated with um, good leadership. But there are certain countries like China, Japan, uh, Nordic countries that value introversion as a leadership quality. But in, in our society, the UK, and like I said, the, the US in particular, extroversion is very much the seen as the ideal. Mm, mm, mm. So <laughs> it's interesting you, <clears throat> you've talked about, excuse me, being your authentic self. So what does your um, introverted, authentic self look like to others? How would you describe that? It, it just look, it looks like how you see me now. I, I do everything that extroverts do. It's just that I maybe might not talk as much or okay. I may need time to recharge. So, um, you know, I like to socialise, I network, I, mm -hmm. I like to party with the best of them. It's just that I may be uh, being around a lot of people can be draining if I'm in that sort of environment for too long and I find it's a combination of sort of being in an environment where there is a lot of people there's a lot of activity going on like talking music lots of stuff going on that is what I find draining yeah I'd be quite happy to say if I was at a social event to, to just watch and observe um particularly if there's a lot of noise and things going on but because you know, this, it would be seen as antisocial I do make an effort to to talk to people but um oftentimes I may find that I feel drained after or the next day I may feel drained and so what I do is I look at how I can manage my my calendar my diary so that I don't have a lot of back-to-back uh, -back external sort of overly stimulating activities that are going to drain me okay Thank you for that. So then using three words, mm -hmm. describe what it's um, like being an, an introverted Coco sister in leadership. What it's like. For um, mm. me, I, I wouldn't now, I wouldn't have it any other way. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's more than three words, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> have it any other that's fine we, we can, we can, we can yeah like but I've not always <laughs> been like that though but but now Say that again, I, sorry I said I haven't always been like that though okay but now now that I know myself I fully understand yeah. what introversion is um mm -hmm. I wouldn't have it any other way okay so who are the three introverted people who have most influenced well, you um introverts who I greatly admire Barack Obama Oprah Winfrey. Mm -hmm. um, who else would I say? There are a number. They, they are the two main ones. And, and a lot of people don't think when I say Oprah's okay. um, introverted people, a lot of people think, oh, I didn't realize Oprah's introverted because she is very much in the public eye. But if you, if you look at her, she's very much in the public eye for her role. You don't really see much of her personally in the public eye. Mm. So again, so, so help people, because obviously people are mm -hmm. listening to this. So if you can help people to understand why it is um, Oprah Winfrey has a preference for introversion or, you know, what that behavior looks like, as well as Barack Obama, because you mentioned mm -hmm. Barack Obama. And again, people would think, 
Barack Obama, mm-hmm. introverted, really. They wouldn't necessarily match the two, would they? And that's because of the misconceptions that um, um, that there are around introversion. People think that introvert means that you're shy, you're like confident, you don't like public speaking, um, but it doesn't. I remember one time, and, and this was sort of leading up to, and this was probably one of the factors that... Um, drove me to write my book one time I was out networking and I was speaking to a woman and I told her that I was introverted and she said oh you don't look like an introvert and I thought to myself well what on earth is an introvert supposed to look like and then I, you know, I thought is it I had a right. bright orange top on or was it because I was socializing um and so then I put a call out on social media and I said ask the question when you think of the word introvert what comes to mind and people said lacking confidence, social recluse, socially anxious, social mystic, doesn't like public speaking, lacks confidence. But all what they were saying could equally apply to extroverts as well. But because of the misconceptions around introversion, that's shaped the way that people view introversion when it's not. It's because um, just because somebody is quiet doesn't mean to say that they lack confidence, mm. doesn't mean to say that they don't like socialising doesn't mean to say that they don't like public speaking. It's all around how we interact and engage with the world. Some people um, are more external and some people are more internal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, it's like you were saying, isn't it? It's where people get their energy mm-hmm. from and um, the introverts um, generally get their, their energy internally and the extroverts get their yeah. energies externally. Yeah. And it's how they engage That's with them. right, yeah. And a, and a good example is my son. My son is extroverted. Um, and when he was younger, I mean, he's a big man now, but when he was younger and he was studying for his GCSEs and his A-levels, and he'd have, like, fast-paced, loud music on whilst he was studying. And I'd say to him, turn it down, you know, it's going to distract you. And he'd say, no, mum, it helps me to study. And back then I didn't really understand, you know, much about introversion. An extroversion and I just thought that you know that's that's going to be a distraction to him because it would be a distraction for me but he did really well in his GCSEs A-levels and at university. Yeah it's, it's funny isn't it learning about those that dichotomy the differences between introversion mm-hmm. and extroversion and like you've mentioned your son my daughter has a huge preference for introversion mm-hmm. uh, and similar to the example that you, you've used I remember one time she was at school, had a, an exam. She was in the hall with 200 people, you know, all the monitors, um, people around her. And when she came home, I said to her, how did it go? And she refused to talk to me and said, I've had enough today. And she went straight upstairs and had to go into her room. Uh-huh. And I realised then that actually what she was doing was spending her time in that space was just too much for her. And she just needed her own space to recharge internally and then she you know then she came down when she was ready yeah and what some what some parents do because they don't understand it and they have an introverted child they will push their child to be more sociable more outgoing um and you know a lot of the clients that I work with you know women in their Mm -hmm. late 30s 40s 50s who experience self-doubt. When I was doing my, my book, um, I surveyed introverted women who are senior leaders and 73% said that they experienced self-doubt. And a lot of that self-doubt had arisen because of how they were made to feel 
as children around introversion that they weren't good enough because they were introverted mm. um, and that has shaped how they they view themselves and and I still see it happening with children today a woman told me how her, mm. her 12 year old or 13 year old daughter came home from school upset one day because she was marked down the grade at school and her, her work was was fantastic you know she had written work and everything she passed it you know on that that level but the only reason that was given was that she didn't put her hand up enough in class so imagine the effect that that will have on her as she grows if she's constantly told because you're not mm. speaking enough because you're you're not putting your hand up enough you're not good enough yeah mm. yeah yeah well you mentioned education there carol let's let's flip that um slightly and go into the workplace so in the workplace how can a manager, team leader or colleague best engage with and or support their introverted colleagues? It's, it's an understanding that understanding that their, their preferences. So, um, you know, they, 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 more, they may be more thoughtful and reflective before speaking. So in meetings um, and the way that most meetings are conducted don't allow introverts to be at their best. So um, things like send, giving out the agendas, making sure that papers are sent out in advance of meetings so that they've got that time to do their thinking beforehand in, in meetings, mm-hmm. giving everybody an opportunity to, to have, a, have a voice. Um, and recognising that you know, some people will be more vocal. So you, you, you may find that the extroverted people, they're constantly speaking and that's because they're processing their, their thinking as they're talking um but allow time for people to be thinking think thoughtful and reflective and then let them say what they have to say and so just being aware of the differences and what the preferences are and allowing for that great thank you carol so my last question before we come to an end and it's been fascinating listening listening to you and i'm sure that all of us um, here in the audience um, could listen to you um, all day. Um, what advice then would you give uh, to all those introverted Coco sisters, as well as brothers? Let's not forget the brothers because they might be upset <laughs> with us because we do have brothers that listen to. Uh, um, that are, so what advice would you give to those introverted Coco sisters and um, brothers, particularly in the workplace as they're navigating um, their journey? Mm-hmm. So I'd say to understand what introversion is uh, I mean I don't like to put labels on things but sometimes a label helps you to identify you know why you may behave a certain way and to learn more about yourself so understand what introversion is understand yourself mm-hmm. your strengths your areas of development and also recognize that and this applies to both introverted leaders and extroverts that in order to get the best outcomes of certain situations, you need to be able to sometimes modify your style, modify your behaviour. Um, and that's regardless of whether you're introverted or extroverted. But you can do it in ways which are more um, natural to your introversion preference. Um, and I have a saying that goes, self-leadership is key. And before you can lead others, you have to be able to lead yourself. So practice that self-leadership. So can you say that one more time, Carol? that last bit you said about leadership? Um, Practice self-leadership. So self-leadership is key. Um, Before you Mm -hmm. can serve us, you have to be able to lead yourself. Great, great. You know what, Carol, it's been a pleasure having you on this episode today. I'm going to remind people um, about your book. It's called 
quietly visible, leading with influence and impact as an introverted woman. So thank you for your time today. Thank you for being here. And thank you um, for having hope me. you had a great time being in this space. Thank you. Yes, yes, I've enjoyed it. Thanks. Great, 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 great. So Lady C, yeah. where are we off to next? Well, goodness, how do we follow that? Mm. Um, mm. Fantastic interview. Thank you, Carol. Um, well, we're going to switch to our one of our usual segments. Uh, we're going to go to our political 10. Um, so I'm going to call on our studio queen, Nicole, to talk us through what's caught her attention. Over Hello. to you, Nicole. Hello. Yep. So what's got my attention um, is the Naomi Osaka Siaga at the moment, which has, I'm trying to not let it border on to get my go, but it has um, annoyed me a little bit because she's pulled out of the opening and she's getting a lot of backlash. And going back to what Carol was just saying, we don't like to label. We're trying to remove those labels and trying to humanize things. But sometimes you have to put these labels on to kind of drill down and have that niche and say, this is the issue. And it just makes me just wonder, like, why is the black experience always so different? Why does it always have to be questioned? Why do we always have to armor up and validate ourselves? And why do we always have to have a reason for feeling like this? It just makes me wonder if it was somebody else, like one of the royals or, or someone else who was white then, let's just say said that they're going to pull out because of their mental health. You know, if one of the Good Morning Britain um, hosts has said that it would have been a completely different, a, a different response. Um, and I was just looking at this um, charity. It's called Rethink Mental Health and um, Mental Illness. And basically it was saying that compared to white women, black women are more likely to experience common mental health in, um, illnesses such as anxiety disorders and depression. South Asian women are more at risk of suicide. Black men um, are more likely to um, experience psychosis um, and black people are more likely to be detained under the Mental Health Act. So it's not that we're saying race, race, race all the time. There are obvious disparities that are just not being looked at and we're just still being seen as subhuman. And this is why we have to talk about systemic and institutional racism and how our people are being treated because this woman clearly stated, I don't care how much you find me. I don't care if you ban me, I am not able to do this my mental health I need to protect my energy and I need to protect my bubble and the backlash has just been absolutely horrendous what she has got for that but what did make me giggle um was that Serena Williams has come to her defense and rightfully so and I'll just I'll just read what she basically said so um she's gone in support of Naomi and said that she understands this it happens to her because it goes back to these labels we just see a fantastic tennis player we don't see the human being behind that and Naomi did something phenomenal last year where she was had all the names of people that were murdered in the US and she's become a role model and then there could be things that Naomi didn't even know existed in racism and was learning herself so we go back to this generational trauma that we start to learn about I mean how many people knew about the Black Wall Street it's been a hundred years this month some people didn't hear about it till last year which was 99 years later 
So as a community, as a people, we've got all this generational trauma that's coming up. And Naomi's put herself in a position where she's a role model now. So you can imagine the amount of people that was probably contacting her, but she's mm -hmm. not just a tennis player. She's a mm. young woman, a young mm. woman of color. So for me, there's a, of course, there must be, she must be going through some form of mental trauma. And just because you're good at your job, it doesn't mean that you can function all the time. But going back to what Serena said, she basically said that um, she, she, has, she experiences what Miami is going through and the way that she deals with it. She said, for, for me personally, how I deal with it is that I know that every single person asking me a question can't play as well as I can and never will. So no matter what they say or what they write, they will never light the candle for me. So that's how I deal with it. But each person deals with it differently. But do you see what I mean? It's the armour. It's the armor mm -hmm. that we have to put on to almost, and then what you're gonna hear, black angry woman, aggressive, mm -hmm. and all of mm -hmm. these other labels that were attached. And I just feel that, you know, Meghan Markle had the same thing. It's like, oh, they're not believable. They're just playing on mental health. But then we've got mental health week. We've got organizations that are plowing money into mental health. But again, it doesn't include the black experience or the people mm -hmm. of color. It's never about us. And I have to salute Naomi for what she's just done. I really, really do. Um, and it's like, you do have organizations. I was looking last night because I was thinking because I've mentioned this, it's something we should probably put, you know, afterwards for people to maybe go back and research and look at what mental health does to us. But it does do something. Mm. It does break us down. And like I say, that that generational trauma, sometimes when I think about slavery or what's happened to our people, it really hurts. And I, it wasn't me. But when mm. I look, when I just look at things, so I just think, Naomi, I, I applaud you. I salute you for your for, to be able to even say, this is why I'm stepping down. And I think that she has, again, led a role model path, not just for the Black Lives Matter, but also now around mental health and mental health in women and young people as well, and just people on a whole. And yes, we do talk about mental health, but we never ever include our people. So for me, that's what, yeah. it's, it's been a huge, I mean, I was gonna talk about other things for the political 10, <laughs> but that really, that really resonated with me. And I think it's something that we all have to acknowledge, respect, understand and realize we have good days bad days and we have to be able to to say we have good days bad days I was speaking to a client just quickly um I speak to one of my clients last week and um she said that one of her friends had just got a new contract for a new job and they had a life happens policy and that policy just means they can ring up and just basically say look not feeling it today or got locked out of my house or lost my cat but to me that's humanizing things not labeling everything um, so it would be nice to remove the labels, but it just makes me wonder the Naomi incident is around her being female and her being of colour. And I just think we, we're just always on, we're always the poor cousin, we're always on the back burner. And I just salute her for, for saying that. And I think this is going to go on for a while. I think more people will start coming out and talking about this because she was basically torn apart by Piers Morgan. I don't even want to say that man's name when it yeah, comes to but, certain things, yeah. but he was torn apart. She was torn apart by other people as well that saying, oh, it's just an excuse. But she's stopped by her guns. She's happy to take the fine. She's even happy to lose her titles, if that's what it means, to protect her bubble. And mm -hmm. for me, it is about showing up, standing up and protecting your energy. And that's what she's done. And I think everybody should really support her. And I really commend her for that. So. And I just wanted to add on what you said when she, um, you know, stand up and protect her energy. It goes back to the you know the interview that we've just had with carol around i mean yes. i don't know obviously um, naomi osaka but i would assume based on how she presents that she has a preference for introversion as well 
And that's what she said, though, right? Mm -hmm. And and, and I think it's it's really, it it goes hand in hand what you've just said, Carol, because what you said, I listened to every single Mm. word that you said, because it makes you even rethink, well, am I really an extrovert like you thought? I'm probably Mm -hmm. not. But like you say, Mm -hmm. trying to decode and be that person that you're not to fit in. And mm-hmm. that goes back to the cultural fit to cultural ad and all of these kind of words which are now coming to play that leadership's now working with. But um, Naomi is just a very talented young woman who likes tennis, who's happened to be catapulted into the limelight. And mm. no one can prepare you for that. She's a human no. being. And the fact that she's been able to say, I'm not turning up to this press conference because my mental health just cannot do it right now. And then you're mm-hmm. going to get that level of backlash. I, I just think it's completely unfair, like many things. But but that was my political 10 for, for this episode. So. And it's great, a great, political, yeah, wonderful political 10. And I think you, mm-hmm. there's something you just said, her being female, her being a woman mm-hmm. of colour and mm-hmm. her being a, of a certain age. Mm-hmm. Um, and you dare have the temerity to put yourself first. How dare you? Mm-hmm. Why don't right. you just suck it up and take it like everyone else has done? You know, right. all the other black people have done before you. So it's it's setting a precedent, rightly so, um, for others to follow. And I think it's it's a bit ironic, really, where we spend a lot of money and time talking about mental health, and the minute someone exercises their right, right. to protect yes. it, yes. we'll turn against them. Exactly. Yeah, tokenistic yeah, 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 gestures, yeah, yeah. these tokenistic gestures. Yeah, yeah, Honestly, yeah. I find it really fun. That's why I was saying I don't want it to get into a get my goat, because it actually does. <laughs> But um, well, I kept, I, I, I kept I, it. Well, let, on that point, then on that point, because it's it's. Let's hear about the get my goat because you know time is fast spent, and I'm keen to hear it. But that's a great uh, political turn. If you've got any that website that you mentioned, Nicole. Yes, I'll send it. Over let us know what it is, and we'll put it in the show notes, just okay. in case anyone else uh, wants to follow up. Because you know uh, we take yeah, there's lots there. of support on there as well. So yeah. I, I'll, I'll yeah, send yeah. it over. Lovely. All right, so today, Get My Goat is going to be delivered by the lovely Liz. Over to you, Liz. Let's hear it. Thanks, Lady C. Um, Okay, so today's Get My Goat is about passive aggression in the workplace. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. uh, We had Fufu last time. We've just, you know, different styles. Yeah, yeah. Trust us Ghanaians. We're just bringing it all angles, all angles. Um, (laughs) But basically, um, I guess because many of us are spending a lot more time um, working remotely um, and spending a lot more time in virtual meetings and virtual communication, things that are said now in meetings, in the chat bar, whether it's, you know, you know, shared in during during the course of a meeting these things are taking on more importance now because that's kind of that's for a lot of us that's like the that's the limit of our communications it's 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 virtual so for me I've just noticed a few things that people say that I think we just need to all stop saying but you can let me know what you think about some of these how these make you feel so I'm going to give you I'm going to I'm going to perform these um with all due respect and then that person proceeds to say something which is just not respectful. Or at least I've never seen it be respectful. Um, the next one, um, this one you might, um, you might receive in an email rather, you know, it might, it might not be said, but I get a lot of emails that say, um, uh, kindly share your thoughts at your earliest convenience. And it's the kindly, I'm like, the way you delivered that, I don't feel the kindness. It's not radiating with kindness. You know 
I mean? Like kindly, what do I, okay, we'll come back to that. Um, these, are stressing, these are stressing me out as I say them, actually. It just shows you how bad it is. Um, um, I'm sorry, but I disagree. There's no need to say I'm sorry at the beginning of it. You could just say like, oh, I, I disagree with you, Liz. I think X, Y, and Z, but like, I'm disagree. sorry. Yeah, are you being, are you trying to be polite because it's not necessarily, you know, achieving that goal, you know, that's, and then this is the one that mm, really, really annoys me, but I don't know how to deliver it that well. So I'm just going to see, but I often am in conversations with uh, maybe, se maybe senior leaders who are addressing a group of people who are different to them. And they say, so either different in terms of a protected characteristics or different in terms of a protected characteristic, sorry, or different in terms of grade level. And they, in the course of what they're saying, they, they kind of, they do this thing where they're just like expanding on something, blah, 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 blah. And then they just go, you know, look, it's just that, like, look, look, <laughs> look where, what do you mean look? You know, like we're having this big problem, you know, we're talking about this. Look, guys. Oh, why? It just feels to ask me, sorry, ladies, go on, go on. Why does that why does that irk you so much? Is it that it's it lacks authenticity? Is it that they're trying a bit too hard to be down with the people? What is it? I think it's it's dismissing whatever the feeling is in the room. It feels dismissive to say, look, it feels slightly patronizing. You know, you haven't got slides that you're presenting. So what are you asking me to look at? Like, where's the look? You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's, it's, it's not fulfilling its role as a, as, a, as a verb or as an imperative. It doesn't do that. But you're just like, look, you know, we'll, we'll get better. Oh, I just, something about that word, everyone. Maybe someone else can explain it to me. But I, I was going to say, Lizzie, as you're saying that, what comes to mind is that David Cameron used to use that quite a lot. Did he? Look. Yeah, politicians. Oh, yes, I yes, don't know whether it's a filler or what. I don't know, some form of distraction. And then they'll start the sense of, look, and then, and then, yeah. So as you were saying that. I don't think it's a form of distraction. I think when someone says that, now look, actually, I think it borders on arrogance in terms of what they're going to say next. I think it's, it's a, yeah. It's I, I think it's about yeah. them saying, I'm the authority here. Now you, now look. I'm about to tell you something that is so important. You need to know this. And that's going to deal with the next, you know, 500 years. That's yeah, what I, I think. I, yeah, I think and when I, they say, yeah. when they say, sorry, Nicole, when they say, and look, guys, that triggers oh. me even more. Because you know what? I'm not a guy. So don't even go there. Because yeah. I don't like that. When everyone says, all right, guys. guys look, uh... nah. Yeah, that switches me off completely. I think everything that Liz has said, all of the ones that she said, I think that's almost, it's the red light before you want to go ape. Because if I say to someone with all due respect, I can assure you there is no respect coming next. <laughs> it, that is a hundred percent fact. That's just me giving you a verbal professional slap and giving you that warning sign that we're about to take it to the next kick level. Kick off. You're about to kick off, right? Yes. Yeah, so, and I think that look as well is almost like that stamp of authority. So all of what you've said to me is almost like, that that you're just about to go to the next level of is it though really let me just tell you something you know what I don't yeah I think it's that it's that you know that safeguarding for themselves well it's for me if I say with all due respect I'm about to say listen let me 
Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> met me in a tech set pan you. Innit? Honestly. So yeah, so, I, so yeah, so I think, yeah, so so all of those, but the all due respect, yeah, for me, that, that's my trick. That's when I'm gonna tell you about yourself. Okay. If you don't, stay there. Wow. Stay there. I love that. Stay there. Um, yeah, those are the things that 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 get your goat. <laughs> They get my goat, but I also think we need to just find a bit of a healthier voice in the workplace and just own own how we feel and own our statements and and not put the framing not put the framing so much around them and just you know share how something makes you feel or you know not be you know afraid of conflict. Let's say you know like mm. these words just oh they just oh. I think sometimes we do need to understand that there's two things that's going on sometimes in the workplace. On the one hand, people really want to say how they feel. Uh, but on the other hand, they're conscious of the law and they're conscious of the policies <laughs> that are in place. And they could so get they're arrested. they're really trying to mask what they want to say in such a way that doesn't really get them the sack. So they said, but with all due respect, I don't really care what you think. I really <laughs> understand, you know, so, you know, it's a bit of an element bill thing going on with a lot of people. The thing that they really want to say and they think that they feel they should say to cover themselves. <laughs> you know, every so often, I think as a Coco sister, we just have to pause and look at the camera of life and just say, what is this? Unpause and then get back to the situation. We all need that, you know. I wish I had a, a live camera just following me around, but I just pause and say, are you seeing what I'm seeing here? Can you, mm. what do I do? Mm. You know, so, um, but thank you Liz for sharing what gets your goals. <laughs> See, like Liz said, um, it's about owning what it is that you're saying too, isn't it? Because when someone says um, due respect and then go on, or I'm, you know, sorry, I disagree. Actually, there's no I in that. And, you know, there needs to be people owning their, their statements around what they're saying. But I think also, you know, a lot of us, uh, I don't know how you feel, have lost that ability, I think, to have the adult to adult conversation. I don't know how that's happened in terms of, you know, how we've grown up and different experiences, but it just feels as if it's difficult for people to have an adult to adult conversation where it is, you can agree to disagree and that's okay. And still be able to, you know, work professionally, for example. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do think it's yeah. important that the more we have these types of conversations, it will help people to re-reference maybe or reframe. The people- I, I do think, Yeah, sorry, I go on, think, Carol. I do think people lack awareness as well, that self-awareness of the, the language that they're using and the impact that, that it's having on other people. I agree. Mm. Mm. Agreed. And, I th- and people are kind of keyboard warriors. Um, and there's mm. a whole culture around sending emails. It's like you're sitting, well, pre-COVID, you're sitting in front of me. Talk to me. Instead, you're going to send me a passive aggressive email and then you're going to have to hear me say with all due respect. It's just not, it's just, it's just not. <laughs> or worse still, then you listen to your teeth because you know. And you know, sometimes you listen to your headphones and you don't realise that, that, that people, I, I, I do that. I'm listening to my little tunes and then someone was, I'll read an email and you just hear one big kiss teeth in the office. I'm like, that wasn't me. I don't know where that came from. Oh, squeaky chair, squeaky chair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so people right. hide behind emails and words and they don't speak. Yeah. 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 It's true. It's true. Okay. Well, let's remember that, you know, these things may get our goat, 
Yeah. But only only us are in control of how we respond and react to these things. Yes, yes? that's very true. We cannot true. control what the other person is doing. We can only control what we are doing and how we respond. And have an right? awareness of self. Have an, have an awareness, awareness of self. self. Okay, Carol, thank you, Liz. Where can I get your book? Your, where's your... It's on all, all the major um, bookstores on, on, on Amazon. Online, but it's on Amazon, yes. Go to her website. It's Go on my website. website. Oh, better get it Soundingsolutions.com. Yeah. Say again. Um, Aboundingsolutions.com. I've just followed you on LinkedIn anyway, so it should oh, be oh, I'll put it all in the show notes. The show so, notes, yeah. yeah. Be, yeah. Be there. And um, just a tip, any sister that's written a book, please go to their website and buy it from them directly. Yes. While mm-hmm. Amazon may be quicker, let's support the Coco sisters no, definitely. in real time. On the and website, there are other suppliers that we need to mention, but won't on the There are other suppliers as well. Yes, go to the person direct to acquire what it is you want yes. to acquire. <laughs> and that. finally, because I'm conscious of time, finally. we're going to close with our new newish segment, and that's those <laughs> phrases from yesteryear that we hear from our mums and dads and grandparents and aunties and, and, and all sorts of family members that maybe at the time we, we had no clue what they were talking about. But all of a sudden we find ourselves saying those same things or slightly beginning to understand, oh, that's what they mean. So I don't know if anyone's got a burning one they want to share. There's so many, but whenever you said that, and it's just going to make me sound like the wild child, but I just, the one that I keep hearing is, you can't hear, you must feel. Yes. <laughs> Isn't it? I heard that one a lot. Yeah. You can't hear, you must, must feel. Be. You must feel. See, if you don't listen, you're going to feel, you know, I've given you a warning. And if you're not listening to the warning, yes. you're going to feel the consequences, you know, and a lot of our oh, you're going to feel had, the pain. Yeah, a lot of our parents had like iron hands, I'm sure. Forget iron Trust hands. Me. Trust me. The Caribbean me. mother, I'm sure there was some sort of titanium running through them hands. Because you know, my granny just, had the know. heaviest hand. My, my granny would be laughing and just tap you and you go flying across the room. <laughs> in if you can't hear, so you, if you, can't hear you must, must feel. Must be. mm. Yeah. So uh, it's one of those phrases that mama used to say. Not sure it was said like that though, Lady C. If you can't hear... You must feel. <laughs> I'm not sure it was said that because my my dad didn't say it like that. My dad said, "Can you must feel?" That's what he used to say. And the feel is always deep and long, girl. Oh, the feel, yeah. And I guess, I guess the lady she was saying, and she was doing it. What I call a Trevor a Trevor McDonald donut. If you can't <laughs> hear, you must feel. No, sir. If I'm you can't hear, must feel. I was translating. Oh, okay. All right, the listeners. Yes, sir. You know, so just in case there's anyone listening, oh, that's very what did she say? Can't hear my heart. Can't hear my feel. The other thing that used to really bug me when I was growing up is, you know when you're going to get licks and your parents used to send you to get the same instrument they want to use to beat you with. You're like, how is this? How is this? <laughs> me and my brother used to try and test it on each other first because the thin <laughs> ones that kind of sting. The thick ones, they're kind of heavy. It doesn't matter what you get, it goes hurt. Exactly. But if you can't hear, you must feel, it. If you can't hear, you must you To get the same thing they're going to use to beat you with. You're like, how is that? You know, what they, you know what they would call that now? They would call that psychological trauma, you know? <laughs> well, it's psychological now. trauma. It was. Then. Yeah. That's what it was then, just didn't well, have it. Go and get the book. Go and get this. I'm like, no, no, I'm not doing yeah. that. 
I'm, I'm gonna get beat. I am definitely not gonna go and get the same instrument that you're gonna use to beat me with. You have to get up and go get it yourself, and you know that's gonna cause even more pain. So yeah. Anyway, on that note, uh, if you can't hear, you must feel. Uh, is, is the mama used to say phrase of today? And I think that's it. I think that is it, Duchess. We've that's done the end of another show. Been, that's been a great episode. It's been a great episode, isn't it? It's been a brilliant episode. From the political ten to mm. you know to the things that get your goat to the health tip, um, all sorts of things that we had today, and of and course our sister in the spotlight, spotlight, Carol Stewart. And remember the book, quietly visible. I like the title. Yeah, it's good. Really good. Brilliant. Book. Brilliant. So until next time, listeners, we hope you've enjoyed listening to us. We've certainly enjoyed talking to each other and and talking to you. On behalf of the Duchess, the Studio Queens, our special guests, Count Stewart, and me, Lady C, we are saying goodbye. And remember, it's Bye. a sister team. Bye. It's a sister Bye. team. If you need support with your mental health, please visit hubofhope.co.uk. This is a sister team. Coco Sisters, it's a sister's team.